What's going on, everyone? It is Wednesday, June 1st, 2016, and this is Gary. This is Josh. Let's talk soccer. All right, so we're back with our second episode where we are in full distribution mode. So we are available on iTunes, in the Google Play Store, and on SoundCloud. So in any of those places, just look for Let's Talk Soccer, and you will find us with Josh and Gary. Other ways to reach us. You can email us comments, thoughts, questions. We will read them on air. We'll answer them on air, so please do. But you can email us at Let's Talk Soccer 2. So that's the number two. Let's Talk Soccer 2 at gmail.com. Additionally, you can find us all over social media. We're on Instagram at Let's Talk Soccer, on Twitter at Let's Talk Soccer 2, just like our Gmail address. On Facebook, also look for Let's Talk Soccer 2, and on YouTube under Let's Talk Soccer. So in all of those places, we will put things um, related to the topics that we talk about. So Premier League, uh, Champions League soccer, international cups or friendlies, youth soccer, including training and fitness videos, skill videos, and then sort of the digital world of FIFA 16 and Futhead and Squad Creator related stuff. For those who are joining us for the first time, I'm Gary, I'm 45 years old, and I have the ultimate pleasure of being the father of my co-host, who is also my son, Josh, who is soon to be 12 years old, but that's about another, what, eight weeks from now. So Josh is a rising, aspiring footballer. He's quite good. He will be the one to give lots of perspective, especially as it relates to youth soccer. So the training and fitness, the mental aspects of it all. Um, additionally, he is very informed and very well spoken about uh, professional soccer. And we will keep a pretty sharp focus on the Premier League, but we will jump to other parts of the world. Um, and then, of course, he is our leading host as it comes to all of the digital uh, features and and stuff related to soccer there. So Josh probably has a much bigger role than I do, as a matter of fact, with this. So I'm just sort of along for the ride. All right, so let's get started. We are going to start with talking about the Premier League. Since the season is over, we thought maybe we'd talk about some sort of related topics. First would be any recent signings or acquisitions, any moves, anything along those lines, we would jump into uh, transfer rumors because the transfer window opens up a month from today, actually, on July 1st. <clears throat> and we'll talk about the three newly promoted teams that are coming up. And then we will also talk about, um, the, about England's Euro 2016 squad. While it's not necessarily Premier League, directly tied to it. Um, certainly most of these players play there every and single every single one, as a matter of fact. So we can go ahead and talk about that a little bit and we'll have some cool commentary on those things. All right. First, let's talk about what has actually happened. So the last time we left you guys, um, Louis van Gaal had been sacked, but no replacement manager had been signed. Everybody thought and knew that it would be Jose Mourinho. And then in fact, has been the case, and Jose is officially named manager of Man U, signing a three-year deal with a one-year 
additional option, I believe. So, no surprise there, Josh. Any thoughts on Mourinho? I think he'll fit in perfectly well. I mean, all the players love him. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much been with every single club. He's very successful as a manager, and I think he'll he'll help Man U get back to that title-contending sort of era they were in a couple years ago, and I think they'll get back at that. Yeah, and certainly the pressure's on for him to do that. So, um, you know, I think the expectation is win the league. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. it's that's it. You know, qualifying for Champions League is all fine and good, but ultimately it's your your job is to bring Man U back to the top. Yeah, I think that it's bare minimum is to get at least third. I mean, the only reason I think he would have a bit of slack is that he just came in and he just had a team that he sort of needs to switch around. Yeah. And, I mean, some of the players I don't think he'll actually use. And it'll be interesting to see what he'll do with the squad and who who he'll bring in and to sort of, in his way, like make the team perfect. Right. Yeah, and, you know, if he was brought in <clears throat> during during the season, I would think... I would agree that, you know, it isn't quote unquote his team yet. So give him a little slack and let him, you know, let get ready for next season. But he came at the beginning of the summer, transfer window, he still has another month till it opens. Man you should be, <clears throat> by all measures, Jose's team by the beginning of the 2016-2017 season. Yeah. So <clears throat> I I think he will not find a lot of support if things don't go well for Man U and he starts to say, well, this isn't technically my team yet. I didn't bring these people in because he has all the resources in the world right now to move personnel around and, and get the team that he does want. Speaking of, there were some questions of what he would do with some of the younger talent that played well for Man U down the stretch, one of those being Marcus Rashford. And... In fact, Marcus Rashford was also signed to a new deal with Man U. Um, His deal going through 2020 um, also with a one-year option. So clearly Mourinho likes Marcus Rashford. Yes. I think he will be one of the players that will actually stay as a young player and will hopefully progress as, uh, as a player at Man U and become bigger. And I think with the players like Lingard, and maybe even Martial. I don't really know about him. I think they'll become loanies and mm. go out to a team where they can improve and yeah. they can get more starting time. Yeah, and, you know, Rashford is, I mean, he might be the next coming of, you know, one of uh, Man U's and England's top players because he just got his first cap for um, for England recently during um, an international friendly and scored a goal in the first couple of opening minutes. So, um, you know, he's scoring goals not only for club, but now for country as well. So he is definitely one to watch. All right, let's jump over from the actual signings and moves to the rumored ones. And we've got a couple of rumors that we're keeping an eye on. The first is that Lacazette could come over from France to Spurs and play alongside Harry Kane. I think that would be a very dominant strike force. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they would work together. I don't know if Lacazette would be able to adjust to the league uh, really quickly. Mm-hmm. But 
Either way, that would be a great transfer for them, just to add to the amazing strike force they already have. Yeah, you know, um, Kane needs someone else, or Spurs needs someone else, you know, because if Kane gets injured, you know, or something along those lines, or just goes through a dry spell, they need other people. You know, you've got Deli Alley and some others, but, you know, it'd be nice to have someone like Lacazette, if not actually him, you know, to be there as an additional goal scorer. Um, next up is that it's rumored that perhaps Man U will bring Pogba back from Italy and bring him back, um, into the Red Devils organization. I think that would, I think that would sort of complete Man U's team. Having that really balanced center midfielder that can play anywhere in the, anywhere in the, on the pitch. Mm -hmm. He could play just, he could play up to a striker. He could play at the center back. He's just all around. Uh, just perfect. What do you I, do with Rooney in that case? Just sit him? I think you would play Rooney at more of like a center forward, sort of in between a striker and a cam, and sort of make Pogba sort of the more holding midfielder. Okay. Because he'll get up either way. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he has, the, he has the ability to track back and defend. Yeah. So I think it would be a good transfer, but it would sort of need adjustment to the team to help just build around him. Yeah. And then, so, also speaking of Man U, probably the biggest rumor is that Zlatan is going to follow Mourinho there. He, uh, we have this quote of him saying, love him or hate him, you still love him? Yep. Created by you? That's me. Uh, I think that would be great. I think that would sort of change their mentality as a club. Mm-hmm. And I think they would become more of a cocky club, yep. even though they might not be the best. Especially Which, if you had Pogba and mm-hmm. Zlatan there. The swagger in that They would team. have some swagger for sure. So, if Zlatan goes there, Pogba's brought back, is there any room for Rooney? No, I don't think Then there's no room for Rooney, right? So, yeah. if you're Wayne Rooney, you're maybe getting a little nervous. Yeah. I mean, he's getting older, and he hasn't been putting in the performances lately. So, these people that have been putting in the performances, like Ibra right. and Pogba, yeah. could sort of just take over. You know, it's weird. We said this on our last episode, but I just can't picture him in any other kit. Yeah. You know, that would be, that would be weird. And you know that he's one of those, you know, he bleeds Man U red and it would be crushing to him to be traded to another club or bought by another club. Yeah. I couldn't imagine him being in any other kit. Like I can imagine him being in a Liverpool kit, a, an Arsenal. Yeah. Definitely not a Man City, but... I think that they would have to transfer him out of the EPL into yeah. another another domestic league somewhere. Mm-hmm. Maybe the MLS. Maybe. All right. And then our last uh, couple of England-related or Premier-related topics is there were three teams. So last week when we recorded this episode, we didn't know the third team that was going to be promoted from the championship up to the Prem. Um, we now know that. So we knew that Middlesbrough and Burnley were going to be promoted. But then on Saturday, there was um, the playoff for that third and final spot between Sheffield Wednesday and Hull City. And overall, it was a really fun match to watch. Um, Sheffield Wednesday had a couple of chances, but ultimately Hull City capitalized on their chances and they took the win. And now they're moving back up to the Premier League. 
as devastated as I am, I am a Sheffield Wednesday fan. <coughs> um, I'm not very surprised about that. Hull do have the experience in the Premier League. They've been in the Premier League a lot more recently than Sheffield Wednesday. And I honestly think right now that Hull is the better team. And I think they deserved it. I think they played a lot better than Sheffield Wednesday in this case. Yes. Yep. I think so, too. They did. On that day, they deserved it for sure. And, um, you know, those clubs are coming into a lot a lot of money. And, um, you know, they're coming into the big time. They're on the biggest stage. There's not been a better time. To come into um, to come into the Premier League, yeah, because there's so much money going in. Yes, you're going to get so much money, even if you get relegated. You're going to get a lot of money just coming into the Premier League. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's go ahead then and talk about talk about um, the England Euro 2016 team here, and we should start by saying there were a couple of players. There were a couple of players that were questionable whether or not they were going to be added to the team or included. So they had the 26-man provisional roster, and then they had to pare it down to the 23-man roster. So there were a couple of players that we were questioning whether or not they would be kept from that 26-man roster onto the 23-man roster. Um, and then also, if they were brought on or, or kept, who, who would be snubbed, for lack of a better term? So we got the answer to that question. We know, one, that um, Danny Drinkwater is one of the snubbies. Uh, I don't really – that was sort of questionable because he obviously had a great season with Leicester. It was, it was sort of hard to keep him out of the 23-man roster. And the other two that were snubbed as well were Fabian Delph, which mm-hmm. I completely agree with, yep. and Andres Townsend which yeah. he didn't particularly have a good season either. So yeah. you can't really argue with those two, yeah. but Danny Drinkwater is one you can argue over. All right. So I'm going to go through the final roster, and if you have comments or thoughts, let me know. All right. So the goalkeepers, you have three of them. You have Fraser Forster, Joe Hart, and Tom Heaton. Uh, I think Joe Hart actually is is an interesting one because he he obviously had a great season and he was sort of an unexpected choice. I could almost see Fraser Forster kind of challenge Joe Hart for that starting spot. I agree. I I definitely could see that. Forster is a stud between the sticks. I could definitely see him challenging Joe Hart. But yeah, I... and Joe Hart is quite shaky. And then. It would be nice to see Butlin in there, but mm-hmm. he did get injured, sadly. Yeah. A goalkeeper out of all the people got injured. Yeah. So Tom Heaton replaced him. Yes, yes. Um, Butlin, I mean, if, if Butlin were on that team, you would have three of the best goalkeepers in the world. Yeah. You know, in goal for you. That would be, or, that would be really hard to choose a goalkeeper. That would be. All right, defenders. We have Ryan Bertrand, Gary Cahill, Nathaniel Klein, Danny Rose. Chris Smalling, John Stones, and Kyle Walker. For the most part, a relatively young back line. Yeah, I see, I sort of see two players that are sort of questionable in this lineup. First of all, 
Gary Cahill. Uh-huh. It's sort of questionable because of the bad season he had with Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Sometimes not even playing. Um, not being able to defend the season. They came in 10th the season. Mainly down to the fact that they couldn't score and their defense was <laughs> terrible. Pathetic. Yeah. And John Stones, he he's very young and has lots of potential to do great. But just like Gary Cahill, he did not have a good season with Everton. He did not perform at what we think he what we think he could could do, and he might also move to Chelsea. Which, yes, I mean that's a questionable defense right now, but yep. they're obviously very capable of doing great things. I think with Stones, a lot of it is based on his potential. He's a big boy. He's shown that he's got some talent, or quite a bit of talent. Even though he had sort of a down season, I think that they're. Choosing him uh, to get him some experience and also that he does have the potential to become, you know, a top flight defender. So, um, you know, they're still developing him somewhat. So he almost gets the benefit of the doubt in mm-hmm. a way. All right. At midfield, Deli Alley, Ross Barkley, Eric Dyer, Jordan Henderson, Adam Lalana, James Milner, Raheem Sterling, and Jack Wilshere. There's a lot of questionable things in this midfield I could see. First of all, Ross Barkley. Yeah. I think he's sort of kind of like uh, the John Stone sort of, isn't uh-huh. it? He's really just uh, along for the experience. He is only 22, so he's still very young and, again, has lots of potential to do great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Henderson. He hasn't played very much for Liverpool this season. And being sort of the captain of, of Liverpool, kind of, because he rarely played... Um, yeah. He's sort of an odd addition because it seems like they have a lot of other center midfielders that are also questionable, like Adam Lalana, who also plays for Liverpool. He could, he has up and down moments. Mm-hmm. He obviously sometimes scores great goals. He makes good assists, but other performances, they're questionable. And just like Jordan Henderson is sort of that off and on player. Man, if you're Danny Drinkwater, you're certainly questioning some of these players that you just mentioned, over yourself. Yeah. And then, finally, Jack Wilshire. He is a very capable player, mm-hmm. is a very good player by everyone who's ever seen him play. But that's the thing. He never plays. Yeah. He's always injured, and he never actually gets to start or play for, for uh, Arsenal. I mean, the last time I saw him play was just very late into the season, very sort of... They, it didn't really matter where they finished mm-hmm. at that point because they right. sort of sealed up that second or third area. Yep. So it didn't really even matter at that point. Yeah. All right. And up top at forward, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Wayne Rooney, Daniel Sturridge, and Jamie Vardy. All in all, not a bad set mm-hmm. of forwards for England. Yeah. I mean, Marcus Rashford, He, I think one of the main reasons he got on was because of that goal he scored against, uh, I don't, I forget which country it was, but whichever team he scored that goal in the friendly against, mm-hmm. that probably helped him in his oh, sort of story for sure. to get in. And yeah. um, originally, uh, Rob Hodgson said he was just along for the experience. Um, he probably wasn't going to make it, but he probably put in some very strong performances mm-hmm. in practice and games and got on. And yeah. I agree with him. He is a lot better than Delph. Yeah. And, like, drink water. Well, well kind of drink water. But mostly 
um, Townsend. Mm-hmm. So I think he, it, there's a lot of positives to this and a lot of negatives to this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for Rashford, I think one of the reasons Roy Hodgson put him on here was probably to give him some experience um, playing in international tournaments. And I doubt he'll be a starter, although maybe, you know, if they have their group locked up or they need to give a player a rest, he will. Um, but he's shown that he can come in immediately and make a difference. Yes. He did with Man U, and he has with England now. So, you know, um, even though he's probably the youngest player on this squad, he's shown that that he doesn't play like he's young and inexperienced yeah. at all. Now, it'll be interesting to see if Kane and Vardy especially can transfer the success they had in the Premier League for their club teams over to international play. I think it's going to be a fascinating tournament. I, I'm interested to see these countries play against each other. It's going to be fun. We'll certainly, you know, cover it um, very in-depth here during um, during the tournament and when we're recording. Yeah. All right. Let's move out of England and talk about youth soccer a little bit. So I think today, I think today what we're going to talk about is, um, is as a young player, and so Josh is right now trying out for U13, but as, say, between, say, U10 and U15 or so, <clears throat> you see a lot of players who want to be the next Messi. And they try to do all of these skill moves. You know, when they have the ball at their feet, they're sitting there doing Maradona turns, roulettes, all of these things when simple, clean soccer, simple passing, simple moving is the key to it. You're going to develop the basic skills you need. You're going to help your team win. And every time I see one of these guys take the ball and try to do all these fancy moves, they always lose the ball. Yeah, I mean, how many times did Maradona actually use the roulette? I mean, right. he used it like twice, and it was actually at a correct time to use it, and right. it was actually useful in that time. Yeah. I mean, some of the best skill moves are like the scissors, the step over, the shoulder dip. Yeah, just a little shoulder dip. You don't even have to do anything with the ball. Just move your body. Yeah. A fake shot. You know, or fake pass every once in a while. A shuffle? Yeah. Iniesta? Yep. So, yeah, I think that, you know, for someone your age, or either a little younger or a little older, I think just just clean soccer. If you look at the best players in the world, rarely are they trying to do these fancy, complicated moves. They're doing quick one-two passing. They're running to the open area. They're playing the ball into space, and they're setting up an attack. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. You know, if you can maintain that possession and work your way down the field and not have to be, you know, a ball hog and someone who holds onto the ball, you know, box to box, you're going to have a lot more success. And I think that's something players don't understand too, younger players, that, that when you pass the ball away, it doesn't mean you're not going to get the ball back. In fact, a lot of times it means you will get the ball back. It's when they try to hold on to the ball and try to bring it in themselves to score when they almost always lose it. Yeah. You know, if you were to dish it out and then get yourself back open with a little overlap or running into space, you're almost certainly going to get the ball back and then you take your shot. Yeah, it really just depends on 
whoever you are and where you are in the pitch, and if you have the ball, you need to make the right decision about what you're going to do if you're going to take on your man because yeah. it actually makes sense to yeah. or lay it off to the person there and then they take a shot or you move into space right. and then you receive it back. Yeah. So it really just depends on making the right decision at the right time. Yeah. Um, are there any skills that you think it's super important for a youth soccer player to, to have or to work on? Well, I would just, I would just, um, just use the ones that I just said, mm-hmm. the very basic ones like, um, fake shots, uh, scissors, step overs. Right. So don't complicate it. Yeah. Just stick to the basics because if you can, if you can do all these basic skill moves, um, you'll easily learn how to do these more complicated skill right. moves. And if you're doing the step over, maybe you just, um, you can sort of modify it by yourself. Yeah. Maybe with a skill move, you know, like if you can tap the ball, um, if you can tap the ball out and then tap it back in again really quickly, then maybe you do a step over, then do that. Mm-hmm. And you can sort of just create your own skills in a way yeah. while you know you're able to sort of do them yeah. and don't complicate them too much. First and foremost, you want to make sure that you're comfortable with the ball at your feet. So you're doing toe taps, you're just dribbling the ball, you're juggling, you know, just going out and just making contact with it. Just get comfortable with the ball at your feet. Um, And then, like you said, you can develop those over time and use them appropriately. You don't have to use them every time in every game. You don't want to become predictable, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, no, I think that's, that's great advice. All right, let's go ahead and jump into FIFA 16 and FIFA Ultimate Team. So we found an article that's pretty cool um, from 442, and we've mentioned them before. It's a great website. You should go check it out. Um, but these are seven, seven tips, seven essential tips and tricks you need to know for FIFA 16. So I'm going to read through each of these seven tips and Josh, you'll comment on them, you know, if you like that idea or not. And then also, if you have any additional tips that we may want to add on mm-hmm. to this list. All right. First, mix up your passing. Um, mixing up your passing is more complicated this year, but because how limited you are to the certain passes that actually work. <clears throat> um, but if you can mix up your passing and you've played the game enough, it is it is very it's very useful. Like not always using the Y button, using the through ball button. I'm guilty of using the Y button all the time. Yeah, even when I tell you to use the A button. Yes, I know. Um, but if you're going to be just every time using <clears throat> the Y button against an opponent, for example, it'll sort of pick on. Uh, they'll sort of uh, get the hang of it, and they'll sort of know what to do, and they know where to go. So. If you use the A button or you use the X button to yeah. cross it or put it over the top, it sort of switches up and makes the opponent have to think about what's he going to do next. Yeah. More than, I know he's going to play here because he's just going to make a through ball to the next player. Yeah, and even, you know, um, using the X button, the difference between sort of that triple tap, just playing a, a low hard cross versus hitting it once. And just, you know, sort of floating the ball over the top for a header or a volley or something can make some difference as well. Yeah. So, yeah, mixing it up. But like we said earlier with youth soccer, picking the right 
play, the right move, the right pass for the right occasion. Mm-hmm. Right? All right. Tip number two. Create your own movement. So, uh, this is actually very much easier if you're playing two play- or, uh, two players in a, at, at one time. Mm-hmm. That's what we do when we play with Bob Dang. Um, Dang. We play two people at a time. And it makes it a lot easier to do this. But... Uh, you can tap the LB button, the left button, mm-hmm. and it'll make your players move forward or to the side where you direct them to. And it'll help you uh, make passes because they'll move and it's not all just still. Uh, you can also make your sort of custom way if you have another player at hand mm-hmm. because you can tell them to move into that space right there. And you can't really do that with the, with the, with the left button. Okay. Uh, if you... Are on PlayStation that is L1, I think. Okay. Um, you know, something else that I'll add to this is anticipate. So, yeah. you know, if you are controlling a specific player and you can start to see, just like in a human game of soccer, you can start to see where the ball is going. You know, do they play it up a certain side more often than not? You know, do they have tendencies to play it out to the wing, to play it back, to play it in the middle? Or something, and start to anticipate that stuff, and start to move your guy and cheat over to that area a little more, and you can even intercept some passes. Yeah. And counterattack that way. Yeah, that's if you're not the best at passing, counterattacking is one of the best ways to go. Yep. Okay. Tip number three: If in doubt, play the wings. Uh. So, um, when the teams are sort of all in like the center of the field. Using the wings is a very good tactic, mm-hmm. and it opens up the field and sort of gets a lot of those players away from the center. Um, so this is what we use a lot. We mm-hmm. either like to go direct down the middle or direct down the side. Yep. It is a useful way to it's a useful way to to get the ball out wide, and then if you have a if you have a very tall striker or a or a medium height striker, mm-hmm. it's a very good strategy because of they'll be running forward. That'll put the defenders on their backs, and it makes it so you can play it in front of them, and he'll run and get it. Okay. It's a very useful way to play the game. Okay, awesome. Tip number four, press smartly. Now, this is something that um, we are not the best at. No. Defending is not really our thing, but... We definitely make up for it with the attack, but um, pressing smartly is is pretty big in the game. Basically, you don't want to send too many players forward when yep. you're just if there's one person in the corner, you can sort of just maybe put one or two players on them and sort of just get them there okay. because of the very dumb passes they make sometimes and literally just clear it out. Um, it's sort of like they can feel the pressure and they can just. They just get rid of it whenever mm-hmm. they get a player on them. So, especially if the player that you're playing against is a good dribbler, I wouldn't just uh, press everybody up and start diving on them when they're running at you because mm-hmm. that's a because then at that point they can do a step over or they can just simply dribble past you. Yep. And sort of along those lines, the next tip is get stuck in more. And I think what they're talking about here is um, you know the ability to. Um, tug a player's shirt to even just get on top of them somehow and pressure them a little bit 
so that they you can force them the the AI um, on this game is so good that you know um, pressure like that can force a bad pass or a bad shot yeah. or something like that. Yeah, and so so maintain that contact. Yeah, so what you can do is if you have a very fast player up the wing mm-hmm. and they try and go past you, you can hold down the B button and it will hold their shirt back. And if if you hold it down for too long, it will they will just fall down like a sack of potatoes. Mm-hmm. But and then you'll get whistled. Yeah, because of how bad the refs are this year. Yes, but you can do that if your player is super slow. Like if Aubameyang is running past Murtasacker, for example, then you can just you can use that a little bit and sort of catch up to him a little bit and then sort of uh, calm play down a bit. All right, tip six. Careful with the trick shot. Um, so what they're saying here is, um, if you do not know skills, I wouldn't advise using them mm-hmm. because what some people do is they just flick the stick around, like in no order, just doing random skills, mm-hmm. not even knowing what to do, and that doesn't really work at all. It sort of just makes your player sort of just turn around in circles and mm-hmm. go crazy. So. I would just stick to the normal things like maybe doing a fake shot or just a or just a good through ball or something like that. Mm-hmm. But if you do want to learn how to do skills, I would go on YouTube and look up skill tutorials or look up how to do skills correctly. Yep. So you will be able to learn how to. That's, that's really good advice. All right, and the last one, which actually transitions nicely into our next topic, is foot draft mode. Chemistry matters. So when you're making a team on foot draft, um, you get so when you go into the draft, you either pay fifteen thousand coins or three hundred FIFA coins. And when you're making your team, you not just want to think about what players you want to pick for the the uh, the rating of your team, but you also want to think about the chemistry. Mm-hmm. And you want to think because if you don't have good chemistry, then your team plays worse. And also, if you have bad players, your team also plays worse. Mm-hmm. So, in some ways, I would say, I would say chemistry over rating, because if you have good chemistry but not the best players, right. they'll play better because they play better together. Yes. And if you have all the best players in the game but they're terrible chemistry, then they're gonna go down. Even though look they're at, good. Look at real life examples like Chelsea, Man City, Arsenal. You know? Yeah, they all don't have that good chemistry, yeah. and they don't play well like that. And you look at the opposite, Leicester City. Yeah, they, they're not the best players, but they have that amazing chemistry together that they are the best players because of... As a, as a unit. Yes. Yes. Without right. certain people, then right. they're nothing, but right. with that certain piece of the puzzle, yeah. that'll fix the team. For sure. All right, then. Let's move over, then, to foot and we have from the foothead.com website the Syria and Liga teams of the season which we've posted those up on all of our social media accounts but we'll go through these now how about this since you just did a lot of talking I'll read the Syria team and then mm-hmm. if you have any comments okay. go ahead and chime in all right up top at forward we have Debala Iguain which I love to see him there he is a phenomenal player, and I'd love to see him play over in England at some point, which he might. 
and Salah. In midfield, we have Janik, Nain Golan, which I'm completely butchering, but he's a, he plays for Roma. We have Pogba, of course, and Ilicic. Um, About that midfield, it's very strong, except if you actually played that midfield in-game, that probably wouldn't be very good because it wouldn't get good chemistry. Yeah. Because a lot of the players wouldn't be in the correct position. Right. Like, they have a center forward at right mid. Yes. That probably wouldn't do very well. Yep. Okay. Um, on defense, Miranda, Koulibaly, and Barzagli. And then, between the sticks, Gigi Buffon. Nice to see him in there. Absolutely. All right, and then let's see. So notable names on the bench. Icardi, mm-hmm. Marquisio, Hamsik, and Sandro, mm-hmm. I think, are the notable names there. Okay, yes. so that is your FIFA Ultimate Team Serie A Team of the Season. And, Josh, you want to take us through okay. um, the French League? Yeah. Okay, so the three people up top are Lacazette. Ibra, which he is an amazing player. Mm-hmm. On his card, he does have 99 shooting, wow. which is the best shooting you can get. Yeah. And right wing, Di Maria, which he sort of came on midseason, but he played great. Yes. The four midfield are Buffal of Lille, Ben Arfa, haven't heard his name in a while, mm-hmm. of Nice, Matuidi, and Diara, which I call him Diarrhea. <laughs> uh, the three in the back are... Sidibe of Lille, David Luiz, which I haven't heard anything about him in the past no. year, yeah. and Thiago Silva, which he's probably top four defenders in the world. Yeah. And in between the six is Enyema of Lille. A lot of Lille players. Mm-hmm. All right. From the bench, the notable players, I would say, are Maxwell of PSG, Rufier of uh, ASSE, St. Etienne, mm-hmm. um... Mandandida and Ben Yedder of Toulouse. Yep. All right. Cool. And you can find all of those. And you can also do the squad creator and create that chemistry and overall team rating that Josh is talking about at foothead.com. All right. Last thing we're going to talk about is the Champions League final. So... I think it lived up to a lot of expectations. You know, Real Madrid against crosstown rival Atletico Madrid. Um, They went 120 minutes, you know, with, what, two goals scored, one apiece. Um, Griezmann could have put it away in regular time for his club and and hit a, a booming penalty kick. That hit the crossbar and bounced back out, so never, never went in, and so he missed that. And then it does come down to penalty kicks, and of course, CR7 himself takes the fifth and final kick for Real Madrid, and Real Madrid go on and win. Yeah, um, Juan Fran did miss a penalty for Atletico in the shootout, which that was very devastating for them. And the next pe- penalty later, Ronaldo scored and. Won the game for yep. um, Atletico in uh, just regular time did look like the better team. They did. They, I agree. I think they played better. Yep. They uh, looked more confident. 
yep. than Real. Real weren't getting uh, up the field enough, and they didn't boss the possession, uh, possession which they probably should have because mm-hmm. Atletico would just sort of sit back and sort of defend and then counterattack. Yeah, it was, you know, Cristiano did not have a phenomenal game. Um, he had one really solid opportunity to score, and he tried some fancy stuff and ended up missing the shot. And, you know, he just he just wasn't on, you know. And it was interesting because a couple years ago at Euro, um, when Portugal was going into a shootout, he wanted to be the hero and take and be in the fifth spot for taking the penalty kicks. And they never even got to that point because his club had missed a couple prior to that. So they didn't even need to get to that fifth and final shot. And a lot of people criticized him for sort of wimping out, Mm -hmm. you know, and checking out when he should have helped his country try to win. And this time it kind of came full circle and he had, you know, the, the luck of being able to take that final shot and seal the deal for Real Madrid. So now he'll go down as the hero when in fact he really didn't have the greatest game. No, I would say the hero is more Sergio Ramos, who did actually score in regular time. Yeah. Because if it wasn't for that goal, then I'm guessing, I'm guessing Atletico would actually go on to win it because yeah. they had some decent opportunities to score a lot more than yeah. Real. I think both teams' defenses looked pretty sharp, and it was yeah. a pretty physical match too. You know, yeah. which which I would expect, especially a you know a Simeone managed team coming mm-hmm. in in Atleti and um, and the fact that they are rivals, you know, and mm-hmm. this was a huge derby that um, that was exactly what I would have expected it to be. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to wrap it up for the day. Please, if you have questions or comments, reach out to us either through email or on social media. Again, email is let's talk soccer 2 so that's the number two, at gmail.com. On Instagram at Let's Talk Soccer. On YouTube, look for Let's Talk Soccer. On Twitter, it's at Let's Talk Soccer 2, also that number 2 at the end. And on Facebook, just search for Let's Talk Soccer 2. And if you write us, we will read your questions or comments on the air. And please look for us to post great new content on all of our social media sites. And also, if you would, please subscribe to this podcast on you know iTunes, Google Play, or on SoundCloud, and share it with your friends and tell your friends about it. We're looking, you know, we've had some pretty cool amounts of listenership um, recently, but you know, we want to grow this thing. We want to mm-hmm. hear from people, and you know, we're just a father and son who love the sport of soccer and love hanging out with each other and talking about it, and we just want to share that with others. So um, we do appreciate you listening and we appreciate you telling a friend. So until next time, as always, we sign off with peace. Peace. Goodbye.